Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. Today we're going to look at already and not yet in Revelation 22. I've mentioned before, mentioned last episode, that the already not yet concept is key in biblical prophecy. In the Jewish scheme of eschatology or biblical prophecy, you would basically have this age running until the end of world history as we know it, the Messiah would come, and then the future would arrive, okay? Jesus uh, did something that basically was a, a shock and totally unexpected. If you're drawing a line, uh, the same line at the end of history would be the Jewish expectation. We would call that the second coming of Christ, the Messiah coming, and then you have the new heavens and a new earth after that. But before that, Jesus instituted a kind of hybrid age, whereas many of the blessings of the not yet of the age to come are brought forward in time and made already present. And I gave you some citations from the Catechism of the Catholic Church that mentioned that rather explicitly. And then last week, we looked at the most same person I know of from church history and biblical prophecy, St. Augustine, and we saw at the end of his monumental work, The City of God, in book 20, chapter 8, these were the final chapters of The City of God, written around 427, St. Augustine mentions that particularly after there is a new shrine erected near his parish with relics from St. Stephen, miraculous healings just broke out left and right, and very significant ones. He recounted about 70 within a 48-month period. And the interesting thing is St. Augustine believed that all this was all past. It wasn't to endure during the church age, and so he obviously had a change of mind and heart. And what I ended with last time and what I'm continuing with this broadcast is that I'm suggesting that we might shift some of our thinking and expectations about everything in the Christian life from the not yet category to the already category. And I want to be clear, we're, we're not in paradise yet, and we, you know, we're living in a mixed age, but I think sometimes we grossly underestimate the already what Christ has brought from the future into the church and into our lives today. Now, I want to take the most extreme not yet position and show us there may be some very significant hints that even in the most not yet chapter of the Bible, there's an already. And I'm referring to the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, we read, it says, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and out of the Lamb. And either side of the river, there were trees of life with manner of fruits that yielded their fruit every month. 
and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And we read about this river of water of life also uh, in Ezekiel chapter 47. Okay, Now, again, this is from the very last thing mentioned in the New Testament. This is the last chapter of the entire Bible. So you could say this is a not yet. And do I believe that there will be a literal river of life proceeding out of Jerusalem towards the Dead Sea and everywhere it goes, that desert area turning to life? Yes, I do. Okay, But also, I believe something very significant was prophesied by Jesus on the Feast of the Tabernacles in 29 BC or close to 29 BC. And here's what went on on that Feast of Tabernacles. It's from John 7. And remember, this is the same author that we get the book of Revelation from. John 7:37. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Ooh, didn't we just read that in Revelation 22? We sure did. But this he spoke of the Spirit, which they that believed on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. I would think this is at least post-resurrection, maybe even post-ascension uh, prophecy for the day of Pentecost. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles had a future focus, and this is mentioning the last great day of the feast. And what this arose from is that during the wilderness wanderings of the children of Israel, they ran out of water in the middle of a desert. That's a problem. When you have a few million people and no water, you're in a desert, they thought they were going to die. Now, just by way of, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead just for a moment in case you're discouraged with the state of the world. I sure am. I believe we're living in a desert, but that doesn't mean we can't have something to drink. Okay, Just kind of a free preview of where we're going with all this. In Numbers 20, we read that God gave a miraculous supply of water from a rock of all places. And from my count, it satisfied at least six million people. And God's children were never to forget this event. And really, it was uh, a basis for something greater God promised. And this is where Ezekiel 47 and Revelation 22 speak of this great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Water and the Holy Spirit, like in John 3, are related to each other. Water is a figure of the Holy Spirit. And the thing is, we have to clue in a little bit, because in the beginning of John chapter 7, the disciples saying, Jesus, you know, it's the Feast of Tabernacles. Let's, let's head off to Jerusalem. He goes, I'm not going up, or at least at this time. And, and, but Jesus does show up, but he didn't show up the way they expected. This is already not yet. He shows up in ways totally unexpected, not just at the Feast of Tabernacles in 29 BC, but in this present age of human history. So what goes on on the Feast of Tabernacles on this 
last day of the feast. This is what it mentioned. Well, on the last day of the great feast, they remembered running out of water in the desert. And by that, they also, besides looking back, looked forward to the great prophecy in Ezekiel 37, which basically, in maybe a slightly different form, John writes about in Revelation 22. So this is how it went. The week-long feast, the seven mornings, there was a joyful procession down from the temple to the pool of Siloam. And the priest would take this golden pitcher and dip it into the pool, and the people would shout and sing. They would sing from Isaiah 12 and verse 3, with joy you shall draw water from the wells of salvation. And then with flutes, dancing, trumpets, cymbals, and intense rejoicing. (laughs) I mean, this is straight worship from the Bible, folks. The procession would go back up to the temple, and then the priest would take the water and pour it into a silver funnel that went down by the altar and ran out to the ground heading east. What was this? That each Feast of Tabernacles, that getting the water with this golden pitcher and saying from the center of worship, God's throne, so to speak, would go out the river of life east and bring the fulfillment of the prophecy of Ezekiel 47, okay? Now, at the very climax on the last day of this feast, when all this was going on, when the water was being poured out, Jesus, who basically said, I'm not going to show up, but he showed up, but not in the way he was expected, he cried out, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. Now wait, rivers of living water, that's Revelation 22.1. That's right. That's Ezekiel 47 at the end of times. That's right. The whole point, the whole outline, so to speak, of biblical prophecy is not only the not yet, the Revelation 22s, the Ezekiel 47s, but it's also the already, John 7. Already, the Holy Spirit is available, and not a little, um, you know, a one-ounce glass of living water. No, out of the midst of your life shall flow rivers of living water. And, you know, I have to admit, I'm susceptible to <laughs> screwball religious ideas, okay? How's that for a description of programs and committees and commissions and petitions and human strategies and dependencies on very human politicians and everything else rather than the Holy Spirit? Because that's what transforms the nations in the not yet. And Jesus is saying, for believing on him, this is available now. And again, I am suggesting we modify our expectations from putting kind of too much perhaps in the not yet and not realizing the fullness 
of the already of what Christ wants to bring us. And remember where this water was poured out. It was, it was in the middle of a waterless desert. And, you know, uh, you can get very discouraged and spend all your time praying for a, a change of circumstances. And really, maybe the change of circumstances will be the not yet. But the already is God's provision for living in the middle of a desert and living in abundance of the rivers of living water that transform. And we rely on, and I'll put myself at fault along with a lot of others, we rely on so many human initiatives to find transformation. It begins with ourselves. That's the number one thing we can see transformation. It doesn't come from self-effort. It comes from the graces of God through the Holy Spirit. And the same thing, it transforms everything around it. So just remember the promise of Isaiah 43, verse 19. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Verse 20. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people. Well, make John 7 a part of your already for the Christian life in the 21st century. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 283 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.